Good evening. It's good to be back together tonight. I hope that you've had a good day today. I hope that today has been an encouraging day as we've had the opportunity now to step into God's Word for the third time. This morning at 9.30 in our Bible class and then at 10.30 in our worship coming back tonight to have another opportunity to worship our God, to return our thanks and praise for how awesome He is and for what He's done in our lives, to spend some time thinking about who He wants us to be. What we just sang about is, is really what this is all about, isn't it? We want our eyes to be opened, to see what God can see, to know what He wants us to know as we encounter His perfect Word. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to continue our study of this great letter tonight in verses 15 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, you'd like to follow along. Verses 15 through 23. So far, as we've began a study in the book of Ephesians, we've taken time to introduce the book by asking five very important questions. Last week, we spent some time in verses 3 through 14 talking about how God has blessed our hearts, all of the spiritual blessings that are available to us in Christ. And now we have the opportunity to look at the last half of this chapter to close out chapter 1 in verses 15 through 23. I came across an article this past week about little children who wrote down some of their prayers. These are elementary school students at a private Christian school, and so one of their assignments, their teacher encouraged them to write down some of the prayers that they've prayed recently. As I read through those prayers, I was struck by their honesty, their sincerity, their purity, their inquisitive minds, their willingness to ask questions, but also some of them were a little bit funny. One kid made a suggestion to God. Maybe Cain and Abel would not have killed each other if they had their own rooms. That's what my mom did for me and my brother. Okay, God, maybe you can take a lesson there from, from this elementary school student who's offering this prayer. And another elementary school student said, if you watch me in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. Must have been pretty excited about going to pick out those new shoes and getting, having the chance to show those off at church. Another child asked a question. Like I said, some of them have very inquisitive minds. As you know, children ask a lot of questions. So this child wanted to know who draws the lines around the countries. Maybe they were studying geography in school. You look at the map. Who's the person who draws the lines? Pretty good question. Another child asked, is it true my father won't get into heaven if he uses his bowling words in the house. Probably heard that from his mother. Um, wanted to ask God's opinion on that. And then this one, kid was kind of concerned. I went to this wedding and they kissed right in the church. Is that okay? But then this one was really sweet. I didn't think orange went with purple until I saw the sunset you made on Tuesday. That was cool. That's how children pray. As we look at this text in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23, however, I want us to think about this question, how do you pray? How do I pray? What do our prayers look like? Because when we look in this passage, as Paul closes out Ephesians chapter 1, he talks about how he prays for the church at Ephesus. How he regularly brings their names. How he regularly brings that, con that congregation before the throne of God Almighty, as we think about how Paul prays, 
I think it'd be good for us to think about how we pray. You remember what he said at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1? He encouraged the Corinthians, follow my example as I follow Jesus' example. When we look at this inspired apostle and we see how he prayed for the church at Ephesus, I think that we would be doing well to imitate him. To pray in the way that He prays. To learn from the prayer that He offers in the last part of this chapter. We're not just following His example, but when we follow His example, ultimately, we're becoming more like Jesus. Like we said, we could learn a lot from children, especially when it comes to prayer. We could learn about purity. We could learn about honesty. We could learn about sincerity. About a willingness to ask questions. I think we could really benefit. Our, our prayer lives might become more powerful. Our prayer lives might become more intimate if we were to spend more time praying like a child. If that's the case, how much more is that true with the Apostle Paul? How much more powerful could our prayers become? How much more intimate could our prayer lives be if we were to pray in the same way that Paul prays in Ephesians 1, verses 15-23, through 23, the text that was read for us just a few moments ago. So tonight, our main question is going to be, how do you pray? What do your prayers look like? But before we ask that question, I think we need to ask another one, just to lay a sort of foundation. Um, I think my clicker's going out on me, so I might need you to advance the slides for me. There we go. How often do you pray? Let's just add one word to that main question that we're thinking about. How do you pray? How often do you pray? What if we were to ask that question to the Apostle Paul? What if we were to ask the Apostle Paul, hey, how often do you pray? How much time do you spend talking to God during a day, during a week, during a month? What do you think he would say? But did you notice what he said in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16? Where he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. As Paul talks to the church at Ephesus about how he prays for them, he doesn't just say, I give thanks for you. No, Paul wants the church at Ephesus to know how much time he spends doing that. How much time he spends expressing thanksgiving for his brothers and sisters in Ephesus before the throne of God Almighty. He says, I don't cease to give thanks for you. He says, I'm constantly offering prayers of thanksgiving on your behalf. He doesn't just say, I remembered you in, in a prayer one time. Five years ago, I thought about you while I was praying, so I took that opportunity to pray for you. No, he says, I remember you in my prayers. It's not just with the church at Ephesus. You find this in a lot of Paul's different letters. I'm thinking specifically about the book of Philippians. As he begins that letter in verses 3 through 11, Paul was an individual who was constantly in prayer. He says, I don't cease to give thanks for you. He was always talking to God. And that's why he says what he says in chapter 6 and verse 18. That when you continue reading the book of Ephesians, you come to a passage in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. A passage that I'd say many of us are familiar with. And in Ephesians 6 and verse 18, at the very end of that passage, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. How is Paul able to say that? How is Paul able to look at the church at Ephesus and say, you need to be praying all the time. You need to be constant in prayer. You need to keep that line of communication open with God. The only way that Paul is able to make that instruction 
It's because that's what he did. That's the kind of person that he was. Paul, how often do you pray? Paul says, I pray all the time. I do not cease in giving thanks in verse 16 for the church at Ephesus. So take that question, turn it back around on us. How often do you pray? How often do I pray? How often do we pray as sons and daughters of God? How much time do you spend during a day talking to Him? I want to give you a challenge. This week, try to build a relationship with somebody new. Try to find somebody new. Try to build a relationship with somebody new. Try to get to know them as well as you can. But there's one rule. You can't talk to them. You can't say anything to them. You can't call them on the phone. You can't send them a text message. You can't send them anything on social media. You can't send them a Snapchat. However you communicate, you can't even send a letter by pigeon. Okay? Try to build a relationship with somebody without talking to them. What if you were to take me up on that challenge? I'm willing to bet many of you would come back to me on Wednesday or come back a week from today and say, Tyler, I couldn't do it. Why couldn't you do it? Because we understand you can't build a relationship with someone if you're not going to talk to them. It's impossible. You can't get to know somebody and somebody can't get to know you. You can't build or form that relationship if you're not going to have conversation. We understand that with people. Why do we try? Why do we attempt to do that with God? As Christians, it's our goal, isn't it? We want to build a relationship with God. We want to come to know God. We want to develop that relationship with God in a way that's powerful and in a way that's intimate. But then we go for days without ever talking to Him. We go weeks, maybe even months, without pausing from our busy schedules to spend time in prayer. How often do you pray? Whether we're talking about just five to ten second prayers that can be uttered just really quickly throughout the day, whether we're talking about going into your inner room like Jesus talks about and closing the door and praying to your Father in the secret place, whether we're talking about the time you go to bed, whether we're talking about the time you wake up in the morning, whether we're talking about the time you spend in the car driving back and forth to work or school, as Christians, every single day, we need to set apart time to talk to God. To have a conversation with Him. As Christians, we need to follow the command that Paul gives in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 to pray without ceasing. We mentioned that verse this morning. It comes in a series of commands at the end of 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing. How often do you pray? If we were to ask Paul that question, he'd say, I pray all the time. I'm constantly in conversation with God. What about us? If you're like me, maybe this is something you need to work on. Maybe this is something that you need to think more about throughout the week. And so, we provide that foundation. How often do you pray? Now let's subtract that one word that we added, and let's ask our main question. How do you pray? Whenever you spend time in prayer, whenever you take the time to talk to God, when you set apart that time in your day, in your busy week, what did those prayers look like? 
Looking at what Paul says in this text, looking at how Paul prays in Ephesians 1, let's reflect on ourselves for just a minute. Number one, are your prayers balanced? When you look at this prayer that Paul talks about in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23, notice it's something that's very balanced. It's balanced between thanksgiving and petition. Paul begins in verse 16. We put it up on the screen just a minute ago. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Paul says, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the relationship that we have. I'm thankful for your faithfulness to Jesus and your love for one another. But then he doesn't stop there. He doesn't spend the entire time in thanksgiving. He moves on throughout the rest of the passage in verses 17 through 23 to make some very specific requests for the church at Ephesus. It's a prayer that's very balanced. He doesn't spend all of his time thanking God for things, and he doesn't spend all of his time asking God for things. Instead, the prayer is very balanced, balanced between thanksgiving and petition. What about us? How do we pray? Using Paul as a guide here, are our prayers balanced? Think about it like a balance. If you were to take the prayers that you offer throughout the week and you were to put it in that balance, which way would it tilt? Which way would be heavier? Do you spend most of your time in prayer thanking God for different things? Thanking God for what He's done in your life, for who He is, for the relationships that you have? Or do you spend more time petitioning God? Making requests to God, saying, here's what I want. Here are the desires of my heart. Again, if you're like me, then you spend more time telling God what you want. You spend more time making those petitions, making those requests. Maybe even to the point that Thanksgiving is not something that you even think about. Do we ever approach God with a consumer mentality? That I'm only going to God in prayer because I want to get something out of God? God is like my genie in a lamp. I'm going to rub the side of it. He's going to come out and give me three wishes. And as soon as He gives me what He wants, He can go back into the lamp. Do we ever treat God like a vending machine? We walk up, we put our money in, we press in exactly what we want. It pops down, we grab it and walk away. The next time we come back is when we get hungry. Do we ever approach God with a consumer mentality? A mentality that says, let me see what I can get out of you. Now, don't misunderstand what we're saying here. Is it wrong to ask God for what you want? Is it wrong to make those requests or to offer those petitions? Absolutely not. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? That was one of our main takeaways from the text that we studied in Deuteronomy chapter 3. It's not wrong to ask God for things. But if we think about how Paul prays here in Ephesians chapter 1, maybe we need to be a little bit more balanced. Maybe we need to think about how thankful we are for God, for what God has done in our lives, while we also think about those things that we want, those petitions that we offer. Let's not tilt the balance in one way or the other, but let's make sure that our prayer lives are balanced. Balanced between thanksgiving and petition. Number two, are your prayers spiritually focused? By looking at the key words of Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23, you see what Paul's prayer is all about. You see where his focus is as he talks about how he prays for the Ephesians. I took some time to walk throughout this prayer. 
in verses 15 through 23 and to write down those key words that Paul mentions. Notice up on the screen, in verse 15, he talks about faith and love. In verses 17 and 18, he talks about glory. In verse 17, he talks about the Spirit, wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. In verse 18, he talks about having enlightened hearts. He talks about hope. He talks about power and might in verse 19. And then as he closes out the chapter in verses 20 through 23, he talks about Jesus. He talks about the resurrection of Jesus, the enthronement of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus, the headship of Jesus. Those are the key words of this prayer. Notice how spiritually focused Paul is. Paul is praying about spiritual ideas. He's talking about spiritual concepts. He's using spiritual words. What about us? How do we pray? Are our prayers spiritually focused? Based on my experiences in the Lord's church and really based on my own prayer life, I think sometimes we tend to not be so spiritually focused in our prayers. Instead of using the words that you see up on the screen, those key words from Ephesians chapter 1, we use words like these at the bottom of the screen. We oftentimes pray about physical health. God, help this person to get better. Help this person to recover. We pray for protection or safety. We use the phrase, put a hedge of protection around this person, but a hedge of protection. I could think of something more protecting than a hedge. How about a concrete wall? But we use that phrase. We talk about protection. We talk about physical prosperity, physical blessings, our country, world peace, our families, especially for our children and grandchildren. We pray a lot about physical growth and development. Now again, let's stop right here. Is it wrong to pray for any of those things on the bottom half of the slide? Of course not. Absolutely not. We're supposed to pray for those things on the bottom half of the slide. We find that in other passages of Scripture. What I'm saying is, the point that I'm making here is that's not what Paul's prayer looks like. Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 is not physically focused. It is spiritually focused. So what about us? Again, it goes back to balance. Have we allowed our prayers to become so focused on physical things, temporary things, things of this world, that we never even think about faith, or love, or glory, or the Spirit, or wisdom, or revelation, or knowledge? If you were to compare the prayers that you offer with the key words that you see up on the screen, would you align more with the top half or the bottom half? Have we been blinded? by the temporary things of this physical world that when we talk to God, we never talk about spiritual ideas, spiritual concepts, using spiritual words. Are our prayers spiritually focused? But then let's take a step beyond that. Number three, are our prayers spiritually focused on our brothers and sisters in Christ? Yes, in Ephesians 1, this is a prayer from Paul that is spiritually focused, but notice that it's not focused on himself. Verses 15 through 23 is all about Paul praying for the Ephesians. It's all about Paul praying for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, what does Paul pray for them? If you have your Bibles open, let's take just a few minutes to walk throughout this passage together. Notice that Paul heard about their faith, he heard about their love. We said two weeks ago, as Paul writes this letter, he's sitting in prison in the city of Rome. 
He wasn't able to be with the Ephesians. That's why he's writing this letter to them. As he's sitting in prison, he heard a report, a good report, about their faith in the Lord Jesus, about the love that they had for one another. They were successful in their vertical relationship with Jesus, and they were successful in their horizontal relationships with one another. And so Paul says, because of that good report, let me tell you about how I'm always praying for you. He starts with thanksgiving in verse 16. I don't cease to give thanks for you. I'm always thanking God for you, for who you are, for the relationship that we have, for your faithfulness to Jesus and your love for one another. But like we said a minute ago, he doesn't stop there. He moves on to make some very specific requests. To petition God in very specific ways whenever it comes to the church at Ephesus. If you look in verse 17, he says, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. He says, I'm praying that God's going to give you a spirit of wisdom. A spirit to apply the knowledge that you have. I'm praying that God is going to give you a spirit of revelation. Not... A spirit to receive new revelation, but a spirit to receive what has already been revealed through the preaching of the apostles and prophets in the first century. Well, Paul, why is that the request that you're making? I'm asking God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation where? In the knowledge of Him. He says, I want you to grow in your wisdom. I want you to have this spirit of revelation so that you can come to know God better. So that you can know more about God. So that you can understand God in more powerful ways. Then he moves on in 18 and makes a second request. He says, I'm praying for the eyes of your hearts to be enlightened. You know, when you walk around in the dark, you're not able to see anything. And those are the times when you're going to stumble around or you're going to stub your toe. When you turn the light on though, you're able to see everything. That's what Paul's praying for. He says, I'm asking for God to turn the light on. I'm asking God to enlighten the eyes of your heart. Well, why, Paul? Why, why are you asking for them to grow in knowledge and, and wisdom, to grow in their understanding of God, for the eyes of their hearts to be enlightened? Midway through 19, that you may know, number one, what is the hope. He says, I want you to grow in knowledge and understanding so that you can better understand the hope that we have through Jesus. The desire that we have. The expectation that's offered to us through Jesus for a life after this one. He says, number two, I'm praying this for you because I want you to know how valuable you are to God. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? We mentioned last week that in Jesus we've obtained an inheritance. If you flip that, We become God's inheritance. And that's what Paul's talking about here. We are God's heritage. We are God's people. He says, I want you to know how special and valuable you are to God. And then he says, number three, I'm asking for this in verse 19, so that you can know the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might. Well, Paul, tell me more about that power. You're praying for us so that we can know more about our hope. So that we can know more about how valuable we are to God. So that we can know more about this immeasurable power that's at work within us. Tell me more about that power. Paul says, okay, it's the same power that was at work in Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. 
The same power that enthroned Jesus at God's right hand? The same power that placed Him above all authorities and principalities? The same power that gave Him the name that's above every name? The same power that put everything under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, Paul says, is the power that's working in you. That's the power that's living in you. And he says, I'm praying this so that you can better understand it. I'm praying these things for you so that you can come to know it in more powerful ways. Paul's prayer is spiritually focused, but not on himself. It's focused on his brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, what about us? How do we pray? Are our prayers spiritually focused on our brothers and sisters in Christ? It kind of reminds me of a story of a little boy who was acting up in church. He was causing a scene, and, and so the dad decided that he was going to take him out, drag him down the hallway. And as the dad was dragging this child behind him down the hallway, he started yelling out, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I was the kid that always got taken out. Regardless of the trade, it didn't matter what day to me, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I was always the one that was taken out through the back doors. We sat towards the front. If he got what I got when I was little, he probably needed some prayers. That was probably a good request. But you think about his request to pray for me. That's what we should be all about, right? That's the way that we should relate to one another. I need you to pray for me, and you need me to pray for you. It's not about saying, hey, I'm up here, and you're down here, so let me pray for you. It's saying, hey, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, so let me pray for you. Let me approach God and talk to Him about you. Let me mention your name before His throne. As brothers and sisters, our prayers should be spiritually focused, and our prayers should be focused on one another. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time that you prayed for somebody in this room? A member of the Church of Christ here at Seven Oaks. When was the last time you prayed for them beyond just saying, help them when they're sick or help them to recover, keep them safe, protect them? When was the last time you prayed for them to grow in knowledge and to be able to understand the hope that's offered to them, the power that's at work within them, how valuable they are to God? Our prayers need to be spiritually focused, spiritually focused on our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then finally, number four, are our prayers reported? Notice when Paul prays for the Ephesians, it doesn't end there. When Paul prays for the Ephesians, he goes on to tell them about it. He says, here's exactly what I'm praying for you. When I talk to God, here are the things that I say. Paul doesn't keep it a secret. He doesn't hide it under a rock that he's spending time praying for the church at Ephesus. He reports it. He tells them about it. I think the reason that he writes these words in the last part of chapter 1 is to encourage the church at Ephesus. He wants them to know, I'm praying for you. What's more encouraging than that? What's more encouraging than to have someone look at you and say, I've been talking to God about you. I don't cease in giving thanks for you. So Paul, in order to encourage the church at Ephesus, doesn't just pray, but tells them about how he prays. What about us? How do we pray? Do we report our prayers? 
Let's say we're doing all of this. Again, this is not a checklist. This is not saying, okay, let me check mark every single one of these things and then my prayers are going to be perfect. No, these are principles that we're taking from the Apostle Paul. But let's say that we're doing this. Let's say our prayers are balanced and they're spiritually focused and we're praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. You ever tell them about it? When you spend time in prayer for a member of your church family, do you ever reach out to them, send them a text, send them a message, call them and say, hey, I've spent some time praying for you. Again, this is not an egotistical thing. This is not saying, I'm praying for you. You need to look up to me to always pray for you. This is saying, I love you. I care about you. I'm interested in your life. I want you to be encouraged by knowing that I presented your name to God. Especially if they're going through something difficult. Can you imagine what a difference that would make? Can you imagine how encouraged that person would walk away from that conversation knowing my brother, my sister's praying for me? Prayer is so important. Prayer is so vital in the life of a Christian. So as we look at this text, I think we need to reflect. How often do we pray? Paul is always praying. Maybe that's something we need to work on this week. What do our prayers look like? Are your prayers balanced? Are they spiritually focused? And then take a step beyond that. Are your prayers spiritually focused on your brothers and sisters in Christ? And then you go and tell them about it in order to encourage them, to let them know that you are praying for them. We oftentimes talk about having a prayer life. How's your prayer life going? Well, my prayer life is pretty good right now. And then maybe sometimes we say, well, my prayer life is not so good right now and I need to work on it. And sometimes it looks like a roller coaster. How about instead of having a prayer life, make prayer your life. Seems that's what Paul did. It seems that that's the kind of person he was as he follows the example of Jesus. Don't just have a prayer life where it's good or it's bad, it goes up, it goes down, but make prayer your life. If you haven't been doing this well, Set apart some time each day this week to talk to God and practice some of the things that we've mentioned from this text. Do that for seven days and watch how that's going to bless you. Watch how that's going to draw you closer to your Creator and closer to your family in Christ. Maybe it's the case that you need us to pray for you this evening. We would love to do that if you would give us that opportunity. Maybe you need to commit your life to Jesus. Let us help you in any way as we stand and as we sing the song that's been selected. 